Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined by my good buddies Richard Hello. and Michael. Howdy. These guys, they do the thing and this week that thing is the Mount Rushmore of Weird Al. Yankovic. Yankovic. Not Weird Al. <laughs> uh, yeah. Lorenzo, the car dealer. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, so who chose it? That was mine. Oh, yeah. Uh, I chose it because I don't know how he just randomly, honestly, it was a Weird Al randomly popped in my head. And I thought, God, we must have talked about him in some way on the podcast uh, in the past. But I don't know if we've ever devoted, like, much yeah. time. Yeah. Actually, I think there's, now that I think of it, I think that there is a, um, a genre of people who, it's like, how can I say this? There are people that are nerds for things. And yeah. then there are people that are, like, really, really nerds for very specific things. Yeah. And I think that there are, like, the Weird Al people who are really into Weird Al the same way that there are people that are, like, really into They Might Be Giants in a way that, like, right. I appreciate both of them. I, I'm not, like, the person that knows every yeah. They Might Be Giants song or certainly every Weird Al song. And yeah. I think that uh, he, in particular, embeds himself in your life at a certain age and either it takes root yeah. Or, uh, I don't know, maybe you wait until you're, like, in your 40s and you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, he's clever. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go through, I think, a Weird Al uh, reappreciation, appreciation uh, mm-hmm. re-indoctrination, mm-hmm. Yeah. in which I understood how many people he... And I think it's the same thing with Mad Magazine. You kind of grow out of Mad Magazine, and then you realize that it had... Influenced and inspired generations of people, yeah. And that even though it, its product is silly, those people who were inspired by it, are seriously inspired. So mm. I think Weird Al had, has for so many decades told people that it's okay to be weird, to be goofy, to be silly, and uh, to wear Hawaiian shirts. To wear Hawaiian shirts. Not, I mean, there was a good hot minute for like a summer and a half where you couldn't wear a Hawaiian shirt. Because of like some crazy Trump people. Oh yeah. Oh but sure. I think uh-huh. that he is. I think he is. Um, yeah. Uh, his legacy is he's able to uh, absorb all that. And, yeah. He eclipses. He's eclipsed them. <laughs> he used to. He used to request a different Hawaiian shirt from every venue, as part of his writer. Is that right? And apparently he got so he had so many of them he eventually had to like just give up stop, on it. Just yeah. Stop. He had too many of them. People are give, sending them to him and stuff like that. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. So uh, he is, I think that also he is just a very fascinating pop culture figure mm-hmm. on par with Madonna and Prince and just kind of universally known. Yeah. He, maybe you don't listen to his music, but you know who Weird Al is the same way you know who the Energizer Bunny is, or mm-hmm. you know right. who. Uh, Michael Jackson is, and I'm sure all of these people will come up because yeah. he's parodied their songs and he's he's aped them in some degree. Yeah, and um, but he's his own version of them, and he's such a unique version of them that it's like he's yeah, he's instant he's instantly famous no matter no matter yeah. what. Almost seems strange. Like Saturday Night Live has been there for many decades to uh, satirize whatever is famous at that time or to do its spoof on it, and so it's almost like the court jester everybody's kind of looking to see what they will do to poke fun at the latest thing mm. so out weird owl's been like that for a long time i remember there was a uh onion article it would have been about what 15 20 years ago that was 
Weird Al working on lyrics for Living La Vida Mocha. Yeah. And the whole yeah. thing was just about him working on this Starbucks parody song. But that's, <laughs> it was so believable because 100% he would do a song that parodies both Starbucks and Ricky Martin. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Richard, you start us off. All right, I think that the best place to start would be his towering cinematic masterpiece, UHF. Also yeah. on my list. Okay. I figured it would be. Let's get this out of the way. Um, just so many amazing bits and characters. There's no plot to the movie. I mean, I know there is a plot. There's He's he's given the deed to the, the TV station and has to battle Kevin McCarthy to try to, not the re- Republican, <laughs> but the... The actor. The actor. Yeah. Uh, to try and get control of the TV station. But really, it's just it was just an excuse for Weird Al and his partner, uh, what was his name, Dan Levy, I think, or John Le- John Levy, I think. Something Levy. Bill Levy? Tom Levy? Jay Levy. Got it. <laughs> just go through every letter. Every name. Eventually, I would get there. Normally, I'd say we'd edit that out, but I think we'll just... Copy paste it. Just that will be the entire show. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it was his manager Jay Levy and him uh, wrote it after his second album, and what because they wanted to do something in the movie space, and they knew their best bet was instead of trying to write a like an actual movie, how do we do a lot of these like parodies yeah. and short things and really weird stuff that Weird Al had been doing like on MTV and things mm-hmm. like that. Oh, is Al TV? We'll get to that. <laughs> um, and I just. I rem- I remember watching it and just thinking this is really it I was too young to know about something like Kentucky Fried Movie. Yeah, a Groove Tube or a Groove or, Tube yeah, yeah. or something like that. So I really it was really like a starter set for that type of mm-hmm. comedy. And so many great bits. I mean Stanley Spadowski noted racist uh, Michael Richards character, Wheel <laughs> of Fish, Gandhi 2. Uh-huh. Just just so many great little bits yeah. in there. Conan the Librarian. Yep. <laughs> all of them. Yeah, they're all great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's on my list for the same reason in, in that I think it, much like his uh, like his music, he really is able to uh, kind of choose some very beloved and very well-known things and put a, his own kind of take on it that are goofy and silly um, but like so much of his music, it's, you know, I think it became a movie that uh, became like a cult classic because when it came out, it kind of got sandwiched or was kind of uh, preceded by all these other movies in the same year in 89. Uh, Batman came out, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, a Lethal Weapon movie, and and then uh, Weekend at Bernie's and a bunch of other like much bigger movies that mm-hmm. his was just like, I think that he is a very quintessential underdog. Yeah. And I think even in the movie space, it ended up being this weird cult, strange underdog right. movie that he was never going to get over uh, within that time. Right. Um, but it's, but you watch it now and it's just, it's so great and silly and weird. And it, and the critics hated it. They hated sure. it. <laughs> Siskel and Ebert both ran it down pretty, pretty uh-huh. mercilessly. And Weird Al even basically said, look, this was not a movie for critics. This is like a big, dumb, funny movie. I don't expect critics to like it. And they didn't. Um, but that's okay. Um, because I think, like Michael said, there's there's so many great little bits in there. It's very it's highly quotable. Yeah. You know, there's just so many 
you can get a lot of uses out of UHF. Mm-hmm. I, I trying to think of the parallels um, that a guy like Steve Martin once his comedy albums are so huge, and he was obviously big on SNL. Um, I think Universal or somebody is rushing to do a movie for this guy, and I imagine the motivation is something similar to uh, trying to get a movie out for a rock act or something. So right. like A Hard Day's Night was this quickie. Was it a quickie yeah. thought of as like this quickie cash-in movie. Yeah. yeah, and I imagine you know they were thinking, well, how, how do we cash in on this guy? Because he's not, I mean, obviously, look at him. He's not going to be famous for that long. Well, Orion Pictures, because it tested like through the roof, mm. like with test audiences, and Orion Pictures thought this was going to be their biggest movie they'd ever done. Wow. And it's kind of the same way that apparently, what's the Yahoo Serious movie? Young Einstein. Young Einstein. Yeah. Apparently that <laughs> tested through the roof and then was an absolute bomb. Yeah. So same sort of thing. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. In a way, it's kind of all coming out with something that was a little bit of what he did all, all the time, which was make short subject pieces that satirize something. But in the feature film context, that's not his milieu, really. He's He's right. been a TV guy or actually an audio guy so cool all right so you both had that one um so michael what's your second my second choice is the song and video for eat it which is probably his most famous song most famous parody Mm -hmm. most famous video sure maybe rivals um fat fat. yeah but i think uh eat it was done a little bit better you know eat it is so funny he is so funny that he has this weird preoccupation with food that kind of um covers all of his yeah. album if you look at like almost any album of his either one or two songs have some sort of uh food related thing whether it's my bologna or uh i love rocky road i love rocky road <laughs> i wrote a bunch i list them down here i'm addicted to spuds uh the white stuff taco grande there's your song that eventually got to yeah. it yeah um but um eat it what is tells a story of uh, and being as a parent with a picky kid now, it really hits home of having like a, a it's a story about a kid that won't eat his food and his parents just kind of going crazy and telling him to eat all this food, obviously parroting the Michael Jackson song, Beat It. Yeah. And the video for it, too, like shot for shot, just remakes. Yeah. And it's it's funny, you know, you uh, not all of his videos do that. They don't all go scene for scene, shot for shot mm-hmm. to uh, parody this parody a song the way that his songs do but this one he um he's just wearing the same outfit look doing the same looks you know obviously adding a little bit of mirth and silliness and falling off things and whatever but um the song is i don't know it's iconic in its own way the way that beat it was iconic for michael jackson he won the grammy for it in 1984 for like best comedy song or best comedy album Mm -hmm. and um I don't know. I think it's just his kind of quintessential song, yeah. uh, parody song that he does. He, he does so many different types of songs, but yeah. par- of, of his parody songs, it's like. That's the, that's, that's the, the yeah, that's the, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sergeant Pepper mm-hmm. for him. It is hearing that he takes special care to speak personally with the artists and ask them if it's okay if he parodies their song i think it's kind of an interesting thing because uh uh he he does say if he if they say no that he actually wouldn't do it but it's an interesting thing because uh weird al is always just a fraction has just a fraction of the celebrity of that person so i don't does know he? does he though 
Do you some think? of the celebrities, some of the artists that he's parodying? I, I would say if you took everything I, I would in say context. He's, I'd say he's well known, but I don't think of him as a celebrity. Do you think everybody I, who knows Chameleonaire or Flo Rida or Iggy Azalea or whatever knows Weird Al? I would say one in 20. Oh, I don't know about that. I think it's more than I think it's more than that. I think more. I think more. Yeah. I think more Chamillionaire fans know Weird Al than Weird Al fans know Chamillionaire. Okay. Well, um, I do. I have heard people describe it as a way to mark your arrival. So it's kind of like Laura Keitlinger joking that she wanted to have a drag queen impersonator of herself because that mean, meant she was now somebody. Right. <laughs> yeah. And for there to be a Weird Al spoof of your song. I think I believe uh, Kurt Cobain said that. Yes. Did there's, he really? There's a comment. He was like, yeah. wow, I knew I made it when when Smells Like Nirvana came yeah. out. And he was like, ah, oh, God, fi- you know, fi- finally, this guy's, if this guy's doing a, a version of my song, yeah. that means it's like the most it's, popular song. It's received mass media saturation. Chameleonaire went to Weird Al and said, I think it was before the Grammys, was it White and Nerdy or was that Flo Rida? What? An artist well, went, I'll, I'll who had rap album of the year came to Weird Al to say thank you because your, you satirizing my album made it clear that that was the rap album of the year. So they, it might not have been chosen. Y- you might have swayed the judge. He's the tastemaker. He's the tastemaker. Like, in a way, he's kind of anointed that, that person um, the most, you know, h- highly visible thing. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, oh, what I find fascinating about the when you talk about the fraction of listeners who are familiar with one and not the other, right. or are familiar with them both, points to a media landscape that is segregated heavily and marketed very directly towards different audiences. Right. Unlike the time when. Hello Mudda, Hello Fada by Alan Sherman was <laughs> right. on the radio. You would hear the Beatles, then the Singing Nun, and the Battle of the Green Beret. Then you might hear Jefferson uh, Airplane. Jefferson Airplane. And then you hear Bob Dylan. You know, Alan Sherman knocked those artists off the top of the charts just because of the way radio was back then. Right. Maybe if you asked people, young kids who liked rock and roll, do you want to have a guy singing about camp or Tom Lehrer talking about the masochism tango. Or He's something. the last of the great comedy album creators. Well, I mean, because everything now is Netflix specials or uh-huh. you know, something like that. You know, there's nobody's making the button down mind of Bob Newhart anymore. Yeah. Or like you said, an Alan Sherman album yeah. or whatever it happens to be. And, Spike but you Jones. can't unlike, and this is true with news. And I think that's a problem that we live in an echo chamber. You can't accidentally hear a dissenting opinion. Uh, that's true with this entertainment that there's Weird Al might have been the way some people heard some of that other stuff, you know, through a funny version of that song. So I think this, it all went downhill when Ryan Seacrest took over America's Top 40. Okay. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what you're that's, saying. That's, that's, that's Amish my... Paradise. Who did that? That's Coolio. That's Coolio. Okay. And right. Coolio, like, gave him permission, but then didn't he get really mad about it? Yeah. And then everyone made fun of Coolio for getting mad, and Coolio had to act like he yeah. wasn't mad. Al- it's pretty good. Weird said he said thank you to him or something anyway. But. Okay, so um, eat it. Yeah. And then Richard has his second. 
Well, you mentioned it a few minutes ago, Michael. Uh, Al TV. Al TV. The uh, series of MTV and later VH1 specials that started in 1984 and pretty much coincided with every album release he had from 1984 up through uh, 2006. Hmm. Pretty wow. good. Pro- pretty good promotional thing for him. Wow. I mean, they and the early ones up through you know the third or fourth one were like four hours long wow they were they were marathons this was not a <laughs> this was not a comedy sprint and it was and basically it was mtv would t- turn over the state studio and the station to al and mm-hmm. he turned it into al tv and he even had like the polka version of the mtv theme music <laughs> and they would do just goofy silly stuff like like the interview like those kind of interviews like the itsy bitsy teeny weeny poke yeah or not yeah. that what's what am i thinking of with it who is the guy who did the if we talked about him on the show who did the uh dicky songs dropping where they dropping would, mr jaws yeah yeah dicky goodwin yeah dicky goodwin he would do stuff like that these interviews where he'd start interviewing he'd cut us slice in a previously recorded interview with yeah. him allegedly interviewing the celebrity to make them look really goofy <laughs> um all sorts of like commercial parodies um, music videos that were like kind of surrealistic or out there, or comedy ones, kind of emptying out the Doctor Demento vault mm-hmm. for all the music videos that he could find. I remember a lot of Kid Creel and the Coconuts? Oh yeah, making their way, <laughs> making their way in. And this started so in '84. I would have been eight, and that's pretty much the perfect age oh, yeah. to be have an entry way oh, into sure. mm-hmm. Weird Al. Mm-hmm. And much like with UHF, I had never seen anything like that before. Like it was just it it had the it had the feel of someone let the lunatics have control of yeah. the wheel for a few hours. Yeah, and it was just fabulous. Yeah, he was such an interesting guy in that he came up within the MTV space. Like he became popular as MTV became popular. He, you know, music videos were as much a part of his. Um, image and he, he had an image as much as he was a song like you talked about his Hawaiian shirts and his uh, creepy mustache and his curly short hair and then eventually his curly long hair and uh, like he is uh, just very definable visually as he is musically Yeah, and I think just him being on MTV is just like one of those perfect little fits for people that I'm sure it came on late at night. I'm sure it wasn't something. I don't know. Maybe it no. Was it was something. during the day. It was. It was like it was like an event type thing. Oh. Like Alti, they would promote it. Alti is coming. Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh, never mind. Yeah. Um, and that changed to Al Jazeera TV, now, right? TV. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I personally just, I, I, it feels like Al to me was never a radio guy. Like, I don't remember hearing, to your point, Jeff, I never really remember hearing Weird Al songs on the radio. Yeah, just Dr. Demento. Maybe me. Dr. Yeah. Demento. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe Edith snuck into the top 40 stations as a, mm-hmm. as a laugh. Mm-hmm. But those videos were on MTV all yeah. the time. I mean, the relationship between... I don't know that there are many other artists who have more of a symbiotic relationship with MTV in the day back when they played music videos yeah. than Weird Al did. Like a Cindy Lauper or a Duran Duran or some people who were so visual right. in their presentation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it was the opposite because, I mean, they were trying to project cool mm-hmm. and Weird Al was just projecting anything, yeah. anything but that. Yeah. You know, that may have also marked the end, beginning of the end for M- 
MTV because I may have harped on this before. I'm fascinated with that that network and whatever whatever, whatever it was, but they they went from being the loss leader to the most profitable um, part of that company. It was Viacom. Viacom I think. was yeah. it? Viacom, um, and then you have to somehow beat your last year's. You have to keep beating your your uh, um, ratings. And how do you do that with the same videos? You have the same rotation of videos, right? And that is to then you create events, and so you start inventing the VH or sorry, the MTV Music Awards and uh, um, Spring Break. Yeah, Spring all these. You have to invent all this crap to give people a reason to tune in. And so I'm sure with that, with Al, they were like, "Yeah, okay, give me more." Well, and and it's, it was like guaranteed content every yeah. every like six yeah. months to a year. New albums coming out, and just time to give him his four hours. Yeah. Okay, LTV. All right, so we're at our halftime. Um, so, you know, we, like Weird Al, have been on for decades. And <laughs> so peep some of our, our old stuff, you know. Go back and see when we were satirizing breakfast cereals and candies and things like that in the early days. Back um, when I still played accordion. But you, yep, yep, you still played accordion. Um, and Michael had his cheesy mustache. Cheesy mu- you know, I feel bad because Judy Tunuda accordion... Fuck you. Weird Al? Yeah. Yeah, hey, quirky, hilarious. Right. She, she got the short end of that stick. Um, she should have worn a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, complete it. Commit. Um, so download, rate, and review past episodes. We'd appreciate it. And then clearly, if we're talking about Weird Al, we're out of ideas. So <laughs> come on. Give, <laughs> give us some of your ideas. Please. Go on to any of our social handles, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and suggest something. You tell us where to go. You can tell us where to go in terms in terms of ideas. So this would be Michael Winfield's third. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And my third is the alternative polka. Oh. I had to talk about a polka. Yeah. Weird Al is as famous for his parody songs, or his polkas as he is for his parody songs. Not so much as famous for his um, style versions of, like he does like stylistic songs. Uh-huh. Like Dare to, Dare to Be Stupid, which is like a Devo song. It, but It it's sounds kind of yeah. like yeah. it, and it kind of... It's a pastiche yes. of that. But yeah. his polkas, and um, usually on every album, or on every album, he has like a polka medley, and they run the gamut. It's every famous song you've ever heard mm-hmm. has been on him, like one of his albums right. as a polka. But I think one of his uh, more successful ones are thematically interesting to me as a child of the mid-90s, a teenager of the mid-90s, was the alternative polka that came out on his 1996 album, Poodle Hat, which is just like, it just runs the gamut of, uh, has stuff by R.E.M., by Beck, by Sheryl Crow, Alanis Morissette, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Like, it just it just bangs them all out, uh, you know, a dozen songs that he, you know, cuts into for 20 to 30 seconds yeah. or however long it is. And, um, I think it's like we've kind of talked about. Like, he's this weird zeitgeist sort of identifier. He can pick out the songs and do a version of a song or throw them into a polka, and you know what's popular at the time by what mm-hmm. he's polkaing about or yeah. what he's singing about. He has a, such a unique ability. You can be like, if aliens came down, they're like, what kind of music do they listen to in 1998? It's like, uh-huh. well, f- go get a fucking weird owl. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Go get 1993's Alapalooza. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, Jurassic Park was the biggest thing in the world yeah. at that time. And he sang about dinosaurs. Okay, that's mm-hmm. what they were into. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's certainly what I was into when I was like 14 yeah. or 15 because I loved that 
Like of all the albums I had, it was that because of, uh, I don't know why. Did I love Jurassic Park way too much? Probably. <laughs> I had Jurassic Park models when I was 14. I was a huge dork. But like his polkas are just, he's so, he's such a we. I mean, you know, he's weird. He's a weird dude that picked up, you know, that was given the accordion at the age of like seven. At, and it became like such a signature thing. And then polka music is so connected with him and, and with yeah. the accordion and everything that that just became he it's funny he's he's weird by name only but he is so very kind of true to himself yeah he is like a very just an honest representation of who he is and people m- might think mm-hmm. he's weird or he might do things that are contrary but like i don't know he's probably just really yeah. <laughs> outside of like the hawaiian shirts and all the polka stuff he's probably just really normal if it didn't mean his eventual demise it seems like he ultimately is going to gain that status of a mr rogers or a bob ross or a steve Irwin as this person yeah he might be on like the mount rush on mount rushmore people who like god i hope there's not something bad coming down the road yeah like him tom hanks i don't know who else or like like i think in his eulogy (laughs) eulogization in social media david bowie has been Acknowledged as never shying away from uh, um, portraying his sexuality in his art and mm-hmm. and a- advancing the idea of the creative person who's somewhat of an outsider but a beautiful outsider a- as a thing that's glorious to be. Or if you don't think so, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and I feel like Al is just. He's, he doesn't have that much of an edge, but it feels like somebody... I also say, give a kid an accordion, he's going to be an outcast no matter fucking what. You <laughs> right. better, you might as well be weird, because you're going to get weird looks no matter what. All right, um, so alternative polka. Okay, okay, okay. And it's just one of the many um, um, medleys that would be on on now. Yeah, and usually, I mean, they're all polkas, and they're all, you know, a yeah. dozen songs in each one or thereabouts, and he puts one on every album. And I think he even said about his polkas, like... If, if if I didn't put one on every album, the fans would kill me. Like it's yeah. the thing that they expect, or one of the things that they expect or look forward to the most. Mm-hmm. I've never seen him in concert. I'm guessing that he he just crushes it. I've heard nothing less than it's a tour de force, just yeah. of performance and on, on the accordion, on the accordion, but also costume changes and movie and, things. Yeah, movie things. Yeah. Uh, from what I heard recently, he for each album might consider hundreds of songs or hundreds of parodies. And so who knows, maybe those um, leftovers get woven into. That's, uh, I mean, that's the thing that I liked um, before we go to Richard. That's the thing I liked about the alternative polka one. It felt very much of the year 1996. He's has other polkas that have like pulled from different eras and different songs. He did like a Rolling Stones one that kind of pulled from all over the place. And he's um, has, you know, just, songs that he's put in a polka and jumped from one to the other but i think this one felt very um concise very yeah. very thought through you know it's i think not funny about ricky gervais thumbing his nose at celebrities as the host of the golden globes or the oscars or whatever is he's part of the same ilk like weird is like this almost like a heckler in the peanut gallery at the concert being put on by the big famous people and he's the one who's kind of chronicling this era and and jabbing, you know, poking soft jibes at these people. Like, Ricky Gervais, you're you're part of the problem. <laughs> Al, you're this f- hilarious outcast. 
All right, Manfredi. All right, so my third one is very similar to Michael's. Um, instead of polka covers, though, I'm going with his straight covers. Oh. Actual Weird Al covers of actual real songs done straight. Um, Never heard any of these songs. Yeah, he, uh, especially in 2018, he did a, a tour called his Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Ill-Advised Vanity Tour, <laughs> which was basically he didn't do any of his parody songs except for in the encores, and it was all of his pastiche or mm-hmm. original type songs. Yeah. And then what he would do is for the encore, he would start every encore section with a different cover song, like a straightforward version of that song. And the one that he's done the most over the years, actually, is Radio Radio by Elvis Costello. Like, apparently, he's a huge fan of the song. If he was ever on tour and they'd have some technical difficulties or something, wasn't working with the multimedia displays or costume changes running late or whatever the hell happened... um, the band would go into radio radio mm-hmm. and they would do that as a way to kind of vamp yeah. to cover for time. Yeah. And I've got the list here of some of them. I mean, they, they did Freebird, They did cinnamon girl. They did God save the queen. I want to be sedated. Uh, fire and rain. Wow. It's just all of these, this, this total mishmash of all yeah. of these different songs and they're done straight. And, and if you go and watch them on YouTube, it's weird because you're waiting for the punchline. Right? And the punchline never comes. There's it's it's just straightforward. And I find that fascinating because if you looking at the list of all the cover versions that he did on that tour and has done in the past, it makes you realize just how much music this guy has knowledge this guy has in his head. In his curly <laughs> floppy haired head. Well that's where it's kept. That's right. why, it's that's why the curls longer. are there, yeah. yeah. Each each curl is another it's a song. another gigabyte yeah. of, of knowledge that he's maintained. That's why he hasn't cut it in forever. But he, he just he, you mentioned him almost like this, this rock historian mm-hmm. in a way. You know, someone who, in order to do what he does, has to be familiar with every genre of music and every artist, and has to have their finger right on the pulse of things. It's it's fascinating to me. Yeah, and so it's almost an indulgence. Does it seem like an indulgence for him to not? do the jokey thing or I, just I think it was just sort of like a hey we're gonna do this now maybe it's a little bit of indulgence yeah but I think it was a, a little bit of people have always wondered hey could Weird Al do just like a regular album mm-hmm. what if Weird Al tried to make a non-comedy album mm. what would it sound like yeah I would also say like the, the stakes from a profit <laughs> st- standpoint are so low for musicians anymore. right <laughs> whatever who cares <laughs> yeah who cares uh, Winfield, what's your fa- final one? Okay, I would like to play something for you guys that you can either edit in later. Oh, sweet. Or nice. I just want to give you the reference point before I start talking about it. So this was Madonna back in the beginning of 2020, in March 2020. And it just goes on wow. like that. And uh, I'm unfamiliar. I, 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 it took me a good 30 seconds to realize what song she was singing. Wow. And then um, she's bad at Madonna. She's yeah, bad at singing. Bad Madonna, Madonna impersonator. <laughs> so I'll give you a second. 
So my third choice is <laughs> fourth. Back my fourth choice. Thank yeah. you. Back in the beginning of COVID times in March of 2020, uh, Madonna posted some horrific video of her singing a parody of her own song Vogue, but singing about fried fish. Mm. She's clearly either inebriated or on something, or maybe that's just how she's gotten yeah. to be. That's Madge. That's <laughs> <laughs> she's getting up there, so the brain's the brain brain power starts to go. And then um, Weird Al came in and just the next day just dunked on her <laughs> and just said, see, not so easy, is it? And I think that is is, is so in line with Weird Al being kind of gentle about it. Yeah. He's a nice guy about it. He wasn't totally awful, but just smart, a little cutting. Yeah. And just like as someone who's also like, you know, done parodies of her songs mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's gotten grief from people that don't like parodies of songs or like think that it's easy to do. I just that's one of my favorite things that he's ever done. It's so, so simple. And it's just like. There, like you said, Richard, there's so much work that goes into it. Being a <laughs> being a musician is a lot of work. Being someone that has to fend off, uh, <laughs> fend off the paparazzi, as we're doing right now. Uh, someone that has to not only understand the music, understand, uh, write lyrics that are clever enough to yeah. actually be put out that aren't, you know, it's 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 not all, uh, you know. John Lennon it's not yeah. it's not all the most poetic things but like there's so much effort that goes into it you're doing more than drawing a mustache on the Mona Lisa yeah <laughs> you, you have to <laughs> you have to repaint the whole painting and I think that if, if I take away anything from from Weird Al is that there's just so much tremendous work that goes probably into everything that he's ever done and maybe some stuff like you know when he first wrote another one rides the bus Maybe you're just playing there with a uh, uh, <laughs> an accordion and your friend your friend on the, on a turned over bucket and maybe yeah that that was it maybe you had you maybe you were he was probably literally on the bus and thinking of the I don't know <laughs> but to get where it's from from that stage to where he eventually got to I think mm-hmm. um, I don't know I and to show like to to see someone that is even more famous get just don't, don't yeah just oh my favorite thing. I he says. A friend of Madonna's overheard her say, "Maybe Weird Al should do like a sturgeon. Oh, no, like a surgeon, mm. like a surgeon instead of like a virgin." Like she suggested it, and it got from he can track it from actual Madonna friend to to his ears, and then so he does like a like a surgeon. Maybe he should have should have done like a sturgeon. Who knows yeah. how big that would have that been? That would have been huge. That would have been huge. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's I, I find that fascinating. One that, like, if you are Weird Al, though, you are probably still like two. You know, Madonna was in that same MTV studio in mm. New York or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're not in the same echelon you are, but like you've walked on the same tennis court <laughs> that these major major. You bid at the are. MTV Music Awards yeah. at the same time, or even the Grammys. I'm sure in '84, if he, if he won a Grammy in '84, yeah, she was probably there doing something yeah. he was walking down the you know probably walking down the red carpet with a uh, a judy tunuda type yeah. uh, character on his arm or who knows <laughs> emo phillips, emo emo phillips. phillips. <laughs> uh. okay the final countdown the final choice all right my last choice is uh weird al's band okay um i am uh fascinated by these guys uh, most well known is his drummer john bermuda schwartz mm-hmm. 
who has been with him basically since another one rides the bus. He was the guy banging on okay. the upside down wow. uh, drum. Um, but of his band, three of the four guys have basically been with him since the first album. And they've thrown in their careers to the Weird Al machine. Wow. And these guys, kind of like how I mentioned that Weird Al has to be know a, just a ton about music. These guys have to be fantastic musicians mm-hmm. to be able to pull off all of these different parody songs or tone songs, I think yeah. he calls them, and try to make them sound like the thing. The thing. Yeah. Incredibly, you know, on one album you might have to, or in the span of a couple albums, you might have to do a Coolio song and then also a Nirvana song. Yeah. And you have to be able to pull this off. You have to be a musician who's got the skill set. Yeah. And the breadth of knowledge to be able to do that. And I think that's really remarkable. Mm-hmm. And I think these guys just deserve a little bit of a shout out. Yeah. For uh not just not just their not just their skill, but the fact that they've been willing to put up with Weird Al <laughs> for forty years now. <laughs> I was looking this up. You guys know I'm obsessed with the Washington Generals. You know, like the, yes. the basketball team that plays the Harlem Globetrotters. So it almost feels not that they're flunky tagalongs, but but yeah, you know, they're they probably won't get laid at the after party. No, no, yeah, this yeah. this is not this is not the band you want to be in if you're going to be cool guy. Yeah. Um, and all these guys are, if you read their biographies that's on the Weird Al uh, website, you know, when they're not touring with Weird Al, they're recording with all these great musicians, these great musicians. Mm-hmm. They have their own Latin jazz combo. They've got all these yeah. varied and interesting musical things that they're doing. Yeah. But at the same time, they're every year they're recording a Weird Al <laughs> album and every year they're going on an 80 tour, date tour, you know? Yeah. So. He has to be a nice guy. Yeah. There's no way that three people, three of the four band members, and the other one has like, worked with him since like 90s, that they would all work with him for this long if he was secretly like a jerk. Mm-hmm. So that gives me some hope yeah. that Weird Al is actually a nice guy. A mensch, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think as a kid of maybe 12 or so or 11, I, I was staying up way too late to listen to Dr. Demento and it was a Sunday night in Kansas City I think Westwood run radio would it was it was like 11 it was like too too late to be up on a school night but knowing that Weird Al was a huge fan of the Tom Lairs and the even Tiny Tims or the the weird people of of music and um, it just makes me feel a lot of affinity for it like he's just a guy who had this small dream of having a satire song um on dr demento that literally he recorded in the bathroom in the bathroom yeah at but, a ucsb i think it was but or. as a kid hearing um yoda oh my god some guy wrote a fun song about a star wars character like god that's just my bologna <laughs> right know, uh which was released by it wasn't by the same label as the as, as the knack as the knack as probably yeah. that's just that's the easy way to get to the music you're like we yeah. got it right here you want it you want it yeah, you want it? <laughs> yeah just he seemed to have so much sincere love for so many dumb things that how can he not be a, a decent guy all right so uh this is the time i don't feel like i can't even well we got to do uhf and 
Al- Wait, did you guys both choose Al TV? No, I did. Okay, Al, Al TV because I'd never, I never, honestly, I don't even remember it. I don't even remember it. So that's super cool. Um, and um, let's do alternative polka because that's another part of his milieu. And I gotta go with the fried fish because I, I, I hadn't seen that clip. <laughs> and uh, that's well, some, it's something else. Ma- it just it's it's heartbreaking, but then. Yeah. Bah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this has been the Mount Rushmore of Weird Al Yankovic. Eyes always in jump. I'm Dr. Demento. Woo, 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 woo. Oh, actually, I'm Richard. I'm Michael. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs>